This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 108 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Equestrian Collections, Charles Owen and Kentucky Performance Products. Stafford back with you this week for another episode of News and Views from around the dressage world, not least of all from the other side of the pond, where we're going to hear from Alice Collins this week, who is the dressage editor of Horse and Hound. She's going to be bringing us regular reports here on the show of what's happening in Europe. We're also going to hear from a great friend here on the Dressage Radio Show, Heather Blitz. This week she's going to be telling us uh, a little bit more about the language of dressage and explaining her interpretation of that as she talks with one of her long-standing students, Linda Holstey. And we're also going to hear from Fran Summerlin Histed, who has been involved with the relief effort for the tornado victims in Alabama. She is with the Birmingham Dressage and Combined Training Association. But first of all, I want to introduce you to Alice Collins, who, as I said, she is the dressage editor of Horse and Hound, and she's been uh, obviously keeping abreast of what's happening, not just in England, but also how the British riders have been faring in Europe. Alice, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. Delighted to have you on board as part of our continued coverage from Horse and Hound contributors. You, as I said in the introduction, you are the editor of Dressage, a, a big task, and so you must be a dressage buff. Yes, yep, that's true. I'm guilty. <laughs> guilty as charged. Indeed. Well, there's an awful lot of exciting things going on in British dressage these days. Um, I mean, the growth of it has been absolutely amazing. And not least of all, you know, the team that you've had that keeps impressing around the world. And I think you also made a little bit of history the other day in Wiesbaden when Laura Bechtelsheimer and uh, Mistrels Horace actually beat Totalus, the, the, right. the world the, record the, holder. Now, talk about indeed. making headlines. In the, in the qualifier for the special. Yeah. Um, she she went one better than we all feared, <laughs> and uh, and yes, she managed to beat Totilas and, and his new rider Matthias Alexander Rath. Um, so everybody's very excited about that and the prospect for Alf looking forward towards the Europeans and the Olympics. Well, yes, so there's so much depth to the British team these days, of course. And uh, as we said, beat beat Totilus in the qualifier there, but then actually uh, Totilus has got his own back. I think Matthias is finally getting the best of 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 uh, Totilus and came back and beat her. In, uh, yes, Totilas, Totilas definitely looked more polished in the special. Um, and uh, Laura had a couple of problems in the one-time changes down the centre line between the pirouettes, which I think was costly for her, uh, and ended up losing by about a mark and a half out to Totilas. But, you know, both combinations still have things that they can improve on and ways that they can improve those scores, which makes for really exciting competition looking forward. It is exciting, as I said, you know, and being an expat, I, I watch from this side of the pond as the rise and rise of British dressage. Now, you cover it not just at international level, but obviously on the domestic scene as well. Tell us a little bit more about what's been happening on the domestic front. Uh, recently, we've had two big shows in the UK. Um, we've had the Somerset Park Premier League, um, where actually in both both the Premier League shows there and Wellington, the outstanding horses have been in the young horse classes rather than the Grand Prix. 
the Grand Prix has been a lot of uh, faces that we already know because many of our top riders are competing abroad at the Grand Prix level at the moment because of, you know, chasing Olympic qualification scores. Um, so at Summerford Park Premier League, it was really uh, a five-year-old horse called Bubbling. It was ridden by Jill Davidson that really impressed us. Um, the horse is by her husband, is out of her husband's old Olympic mare um, and by Ling. So, you know, bred, bred to do the job, certainly. Um, and he took the international class with Jill Davison um, at Summerford Park. Um, but the other one definitely of note was um, Andrew Gould, who was riding Mitchell Santorini Hit, the grey gelding by Sandro Hit. Uh, he won the PSG at Summerford Park uh, and then very shortly afterwards took the horse over to Compierge in France um, for Andrew's first ever international performance and won the Inter One freestyle, which he was over the moon about. Well, it's interesting, you know, the, the, as I said, the growth of British dressage and the successes at international level, it has to come from somewhere. And if it's coming from the foundation, there's more and more competitions other and leagues. And you, you're so, so much more established at national level now, aren't you, Alice, over there with the depth of competition? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're finding that our, our riders and horses combinations are now also doing well abroad. Um, you know, it's not just a question of them being successful nationally and then going and coming in the top 30 abroad, they're now actually winning. Uh, another combination to prove that is Gareth Hughes riding classic Sandman, who went abroad recently for the first time and did two plus 71% at Grand Prix level, winning both the classes. Um, that was despite getting lost on their way to the show and having to be escorted in by mounted oh dear. to the showground. <laughs> Unfortunate start. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and of course, the other one to mention is Richard Davidson, who won a five-star Grand Prix in Munich at the beginning of June uh, with his re relatively young horse, Artemis, um, which is another combination that we're really excited about looking forward. And in the same competition, Emma Hindle came fourth on her new horse, Brisbane, who's a, a son of Bjorsel's Briar, um, and she was, she was fourth behind the three Germans. But the interesting thing about that was uh, the judges' marks were actually quite disparate. There was one judge that had her on about the 65 mark and one that had her on 71 in second place just behind Totalas. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the scoring works with that horse moving forward because he travels a lot quite forward when he's in the Piaf due to the way that he moves. And I think that that split opinion with the judges would be an interesting one to keep our eye out on. Well, you've mentioned several names there that we're familiar with, but also a lot of new names that would be new to our listeners around the world there, Alice, because, you know, they haven't made the team yet. And obviously that's where you get the, the recognition so much internationally. But it's amazing the depth you've got there. You're talking about a lot of horses, you know, well-bred horses, you know, that the, the depth and the breadth is amazing um, there. I mean, it has to be exciting for, for British dressage and also for the international scene too, that, you know, we're really broadening the playing field, aren't we? Absolutely. I mean, another homebred prospect, when I say homebred, it's British-bred horse called Woodlander Farouche, who's by the late first Heinrich out of a mare, um, who's by uh, a stallion that stands in the UK um, called Keystone DiMaggio. Um, she's called Woodlander Farouche, and she won the five-year-old class at Wellington Riding Premier League, and she won it with a whopping 98%. Wow, 98%. Um, Where did that come from? Well, with the young horse classes, you get five marks, one for, the, for each of the three paces, one for ability to lengthen and shorten, and one for the balance and attitude. And the lowest mark that the mayor achieved over all five scores was nine and a half. 
So as you can see, this is a horse that we're all really excited about over here. And I think that she'll now be heading to Verdon. Um, for the fun, for the young horse championship. For the young horse there. championship, yeah. I mean, well, the world better be paying attention to British dressage, Alice. I think at this at that, at that rate, that's very exciting. And you have, as you mentioned, there's leagues there. There's the Wellington League. You mentioned a couple of leagues there. Are you seeing more development of these leagues in as a way of promoting, you know, the progression up through, you know, and regionally, of course. Well, they're not so much leagues in themselves as, as a, a name given to a level of show um, and gives you an idea of the sort of competition, the, the quality of competition that you can expect at a show like that. You know, they're quite big atmospheres. The scores are high. The, the horses and the riders, the quality is very, very high. Um, so it's a really good opportunity to get horses out, you know, introduce them to flowers and banners and judges and boxes and banners and tents and, and, and a lot of people use them for their young horse class, young horses to get them out and seeing new things in the world. Um, but, you know, the, these shows traditionally tend to have um, classes up to Grand Prix as well um, to bring in people at all levels and tend to be really high standard. Are you seeing, Alice, an increase in, uh, or in a breadth of quality? I mean, not just the growth of British breeding for dressage, now and that you're not buying so much from continental Europe is, is that depth in quality or is that just for the elite riders and the high performance comp- competitors? No I'd say it's permeating through the levels um, and it's helped very much by a scheme that we have in this country which is organized by the British Equestrian Federation the BES which is called the Futurity. The Futurity is a series of young horse evaluations and they evaluate over um, the three main disciplines um, and some endurance as well. And that's for horses from foals to three-year-olds inclusive. Um, and so, for example, with the dressage horses, Woodlander Farouche came through the BEF Futurity and was awarded a first premium as a foal. And this is a way of identifying young horse talent. Um, it's only open to British-bred horses, which is, to be honest, a slightly complex definition. But anyway, um, it's only open to British-bred horses. And uh, it's a way of identifying them and helping nurture them up through the levels. And this year, there's a new initiative to link those horses who've done well in the futurity called the Equine Bridge to top riders to ensure that these horses that have the potential do hopefully go on and fulfill it under under saddle. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, what an amazing, uh, just an amazing um you know, growth and development of the sport over there. Very, very impressive. And we're going to look forward to your ongoing reports here, Alice, on the Dressage Radio Show. Yes, certainly. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for for your time. Good luck and, uh, you know, enjoy your dressage. Thank you very much. And before we get to our next guest this week, I want to remind you about Equestrian Collections because every time you shop on their website at equestriancollections.com, you can earn points for you and your riding and the riding organization of your choice. This is Equestrian Collections' way of rewarding its valued customers and supporting the equestrian community. For every dollar you spend at equestriancollections.com, you will earn one point, and each time you accumulate 500 points, you'll receive a $25 reward certificate that's redeemable at equestriancollections.com. And you can collect rewards for your horse and celebrate his special day with a $10 reward certificate, which is emailed to you during the month of your horse's birthday. So that's redeemable, of course, at equestriancollections.com, and you can find 
all of your favorite dressage brands like Rumpf International, Carrots, Fitz and Good Rider all on their website at equestriancollections.com which has everything dressage for both you and your horse. So check them all out, equestriancollections.com. And we would like to thank equestriancollections.com for being a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you will know that we have been supporting the Horse World Gives Back campaign here on the Horse Radio Network. We held a radiothon a couple of weeks ago now, raising funds for the victims of the extreme weather around the country here, for tornado victims, for fire, wildfire, and the flooding that's taken place across this country this spring. And part of that effort has obviously been included. We included a lot of people around the country as we spoke to them during that radiothon. And, of course, one area that has been badly affected is Alabama. And in Alabama, the Birmingham Dressage and Combined Training Association has stepped up to help with that tornado relief. And I got the opportunity to catch up with Fran Summerlin histed who has been leading that relief effort. Well, hi, Fran. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Well, I know that you're in a particularly hot part of the country down there in Alabama with the Birmingham Dressage and Combined Training Association, as I said in my introduction. You've been a member for some years, haven't you? You're a very active member. Yes, I've been an active member for over 30 years. Well, and you combine, as I say, dress yards and combine training. So you've got uh, what kind of membership there? How many would you have tops in that area? I believe we have um, we have about a hundred to one hundred and twenty-five members this year. Um, we, our membership um, runs along with the USDF year. Of course, we're a, a GMO member of USDF. And uh, our membership runs between 80 and 125, um, and it's a very active membership. And, of course, like all GMOs, relies so much on, on volunteers. And now, do you host shows and clinics like most GMOs, Fran? We do. We have uh, two shows per year. Um, one in the spring and one in the fall. We had a very successful spring show this year, um, and we are planning a show in September. We have clinics um, with well-known instructors. We had a clinic with Kyle Carter last year, which was great fun, and we are having an um, introduction to a venting clinic this year in October, um, which will actually be free to our members and a small charge for non-members. It is for education and safety in eventing um, so that people can get an idea about what eventing is all about and how to go about properly training for it. Really useful. Great. And so uh, the the reason why we've got you on, of course, we have GMOs on the show and always want to hear from more GMOs around the country. To, you can obviously call me, email me with uh, any reports from competitions too. And uh, so I want oh, right. to take yes. that, remind you all, with a G, if you're with a GMO, to drop me an email about that. But the reason we've got you on, particularly at this time, Fran, is because you've been involved with the tornado relief effort. And I think you've been heading up that uh, initiative, haven't you, down there in uh, Alabama? Yes, I have. Um, I've been coordinating um, the mission, and it has been extremely successful. We have uh, really gotten 
so many condoners and so much, um, so many supplies that we have already uh, passed out to the tornado victims. Um, we continue to. I believe there were two trips, maybe three trips, um, for donations today. Um, and we're just continuing to uh, try to provide people with horses and pets um, things that they need. We are trying to specifically find um, people who have needs so that they might be able to bring their horses home or refence their pastures, have uh, facilities for their dogs, cats, um, whatever. And, of course, we should explain that those listeners around the world uh, would put this in context, the tornadoes that come through the, the states or have been coming through the states this year has been a particularly devastating season. And Alabama has often been so badly hit, isn't it? You really are right in the middle there, aren't you, Fran? We sure are. We had um, – Alabama has always had tornadoes, but uh, nothing – in my recollection, like this year, we had um, a horrible outbreak on April 27th that um, we had m many, many long-running, very strong tornadoes, F3s to F5s, which were horribly destructive all over our state. Um, and it's been very, very devastating for so many here in Alabama. Can you quantify how many horses were lost? Has, has, has that sort of figure been tallied at this point, Fran, or is it just a guess from talking to people how many people have actually lost horses in the tornadoes? Um, I do not know the official loss. I know that there have been many. Personally, I know of, oh, maybe six horses, seven horses that were lost um, just locally uh, and all over the state I really don't know I'm sure the number is quite high um, and many many um, many many cattle horses dogs cats donkeys um, so many were lost in this um, outbreak absolutely devastating and uh, you're there to obviously rally uh, with support that you can give to those victims as indeed we did here on the uh, horse radio network if you uh, were able to tune in on june the 6th you will know that we had a radiothon to raise funds for those in need and uh, that have suffered from the uh, effects of de uh, devastating weather in the continental usa and that horseworldgivesback.com website is where you can continue to go to donate and help and i know uh, fran it, you know it's it's one of those things that'll always be someone in need won't there and uh, you know the season is not quite over yet is it i mean do you, how far into the summer could you would you expect tornadoes in alabama well we will um we will have tornadoes probably a few all during the summer but in the fall We'll have another, in the fall and the early winter, we'll have another strong um, tornado season. But we not only have to worry about that, of course, we're gonna, we have started hurricane season um, this June, June 1st. And uh, so, of course, we have to worry about that as well. And then the flooding has been just horrible um, here in the south and uh, in the Midwest as well. Um, so it's just been a horrible season for uh natural disasters actually um and we will also the uh the 
help for the tornado victims and the flooding victims will go on because this is a long-term effort. Uh, it doesn't go away in the first few weeks. Um, it takes people years to get back to normal. Um, so we are trying to emphasize that to donors and uh, let them know that we're in it for the long haul and we're going to try to uh, um, help people as long as we can. Well, that's wonderful, and uh, I know our hearts go out to to you down there because you, as you said, you uh, you get it in every which way with the weather. It really is very unkind to Alabama, but I hope uh, you can enjoy a calm before the next storm uh, down there, Fran. And we will put a link on our website so anybody down in your area wants to uh, get involved and help with that uh, tornado relief effort for the Birmingham Dressage and Combined Training Association. Fran is the point person, and we will put a link to their website on our website, Fran. And thank you for joining us this week and the very best of luck with this effort and hopefully you'll be able to provide relief for those in need for some time to come. Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for all the help that y'all have provided to um, our community through your Horse Radio Network. And a reminder that our campaign, The Horse World Gives Back, here on the Horse Radio Network uh, is ongoing. You can go to the website at horseworld.com givesback.com and continue to support the victims around the country. Well, we're coming now to our next guest this week. Of course, he's a regular here on the Dressage Radio Show. Heather Blitz is usually my co-host, but time was short this week, so she just stopped by with a friend of hers, someone who's been a student here of long-standing with Heather, and uh, they're going to talk about dressage language and Heather's interpretation of dressage language. But before we get to these two guests this week, I want to remind you about one of our loyal sponsors here, and that is, of course, Kentucky Performance Products. It's that time of the year when your horse will be sweating more and more and needs some help in replenishing fluids. KPP offers a solution with Summer Games Electrolytes. Originally created for horses competing at the Olympic Games, This formulation is a combination of minerals similar to the levels typically lost in sweat. Summer Games is a concentrated electrolyte that contains minimal sugar and supports normal hydration. Plus, it's palatable and easy to feed. Help your horse beat the heat then with this summer with Summer Games Electrolyte. You can find out more about this and all of the KPP products by visiting their website at kppusa.com or you can call 1-800-772-1988. And to learn more about horse nutrition and interact with the KPP experts, you can join their Facebook fan page. Well, as I said, my next guest is a good friend here of the Dressage Radio Show, Heather Blitz, and she has with her a student of hers this week, Linda Holsty. So let's hear from them and the language of dressage. Well, hi, Heather. Welcome back to the show. You're usually my co-host, but this time you're just going to dip in and out uh, and talk about a little training segment with one of your students. Well, thanks for having me back, Chris. It's good to be back. It's been a little while. And, um, yeah, I've got a student of mine for a number of years, at least the, the past maybe 10 years now. I'm not sure. Um, Linda Holsey from Franklin, Tennessee, and um, known her for a while, and she's on the call with us today. Well, welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you. Hello. Nice to have you on the show. I know um, that you obviously work with Heather closely, and I, I believe you, you guys want to talk about something that is a, you know, a, an ongoing language of, of the dressage lessons, and is there something in particular, Heather? 
Well, I think um, one of the things that I really try to pay a lot of attention to um, in being an effective instructor and helping people learn how to ride is um, the awareness of what language does, um, you know, both on how it comes out of my mouth and how it goes into the rider's ears. And um, it's a big... It's a big deal in trying to, you know, get concepts across. This is such a living art that we're all trying to perfect, and putting any kind of um, instructions on how to be a better artist really is is a real challenge. So um, we were just going to talk with Linda a little bit about some lessons that we had recently that um, she had, and some things just really. Um, hit a great note with her. She really kind of understood some words in a way. I'm just going to let her kind of talk about the last sort of um, advances she got in her last few lessons. Well, um, yeah, I I wanted to be able to share this because it's been so meaningful and powerful, and probably I would back up for the last, um, well, however many months, going back to February, March, I had the fortune of my horse being with Heather for a couple months and me coming and going and having some concentrated lessons, and whether it was that, whether it's this particular horse or his training or something just finally sinking through and hitting home to me, but it's been a very exciting experience and now journey to all of a sudden begin to understand some of the terms that I've been hearing for a long time. And I've kept a journal over the years of all of my lessons with Heather, and I've gone back to review my comments, and I find that many of the same words were used years ago, but now they mean something to me. Um, uh, slingshot and um, light in your stirrups and uh, being still in the saddle and moving the horse's particles around, and I probably could have um, told you with fervor two years ago that I understood what these things mean, and perhaps in two years I'll develop another awareness of them, but right now I feel I'm in the discovery zone in which I'm I'm finding out how um, effective many of these um, descriptions mean, and, and I hear the words, and I can I can oftentimes do them, and I see an effect in my horse that has just been really um, quite phenomenal for me. So um, anyway, that's that's just been a great opportunity, and and I think it's a combination of spending a lot of time watching. Heather ride and associating um, the term with what I see that she is doing, watching other people ride, um, going from right to wrong, and of course my own experience and seeing and feeling the difference in my horse. Um, and it's uh, it's an awareness. It's it's not just body awareness, but it's also the awareness of the effectiveness of. Um, this uh, of a particular action. Well, well Heather, you've already said, not to, I, Heather, can I just jump in real, real quick there? Because yeah. I think for the people who don't know your style of communicating and the language that you use, and I've become familiar with it, and the first thing I've noticed with it is that it is not the common language of 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 teaching. Of it's not the no. traditional 
heels down, head up, you know, eyes ahead, and, you know, uh, elbows in. It's not those typical commands no, that you see not, echoed around. So just no, give us a little bit of background to that, Heather, would you, as to why you got to the language that you have and why you use it? Well, I guess I never have been a very traditional, conventional-minded person <laughs> in my life since I was in grade school. I think I used to butt heads with my grade school teachers. Um, and I have, I guess I've just never followed those traditional phrases in dressage. You mentioned some, some other common ones are, you know, to sit deep, um, use your feet, um, the phrase half halt. Um, you know, a lot of things that, you know, once you've become an accomplished rider, those words make sense. But before you've become an accomplished rider or you've learned to get to that point of feeling those things in your horse, those are just words. And, uh, you know, when I guess I started taking dressage lessons as a teenager, I was told all those words too. And I really just, they just never hit a level where my body knew what to do when I heard those words. And like a lot of people, I think that might hear the word half halt, either spoken to them or yelled at them louder if they don't do it. Uh, and then maybe, maybe they just start to feel like they are a hopeless case or they're just not smart enough or whatever, even though, you can understand the words that just don't hit a, a level of making some a physical response in either uh, your own body or even better in your horse's body that you're looking for something that's this elusive connection and trueness. That's the words get really difficult. <laughs> so the traditional language I think makes a whole lot of sense. Like I said, you know, ride the horse from back to front. Um, you know, connection, trueness, half halt, um, things that. You would find that almost any text no one could argue with, but to get to those points, to get to those things, um, using those words themselves aren't really that helpful for writers if they don't know what they mean. So, um, I, of course, I've worked with a lot with Mary Wanless, and she has just, she's such a, an, an amazing educator. I don't think it would uh, matter what subject she was trying to teach to somebody, she, she would do it better than anybody that I can imagine. She's an amazing. Um, educator. She studied um, teaching in depth. And I've gotten the fortune in my life of having met her and learned teaching methods from her. And a lot of it has to do with language and um, communicating things that need to go into the student's mind and into the student's ear and actually hit a, a, a physical response. So, yeah, Linda, you mentioned some things like um, slingshot. You mentioned that and moving horses' particles around and I mean, my lessons um, and others who have also, of course, learned from Mary end up sounding, I mean, it's kind of like it's completely out of the box what kind of language you can use. And um, there's just something in Linda's body that happens if her horse gets on the forehand uh, or he gets strong in her hand, we can imagine like his body has a bunch of particles on the inside and if the particles are all too concentrated towards the front of the horse's body, then... She has to use her um, thighs and her pelvis in a way, like she's trying to pull back on the slingshot, like if her seat was the stone of a slingshot, and it was pulling it back to stay back behind her thigh. She can have some kind of power to bring particles more back in his body. So it can sound a lot like that's what something that we talk about a lot in her lessons. Um, Linda, what else did you mention? We said, um, well, sitting really still, like what does that mean? To you, what do you think about and when, or what does it feel like when you get that hitting a physical level? Yeah, sitting still is, is staying back, um, and um, core strength, 
and um, the coffee press um, mm-hmm. being down in the saddle and 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 certainly um, engaging your your um, your inner your inner core so that the horse isn't moving you around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, diaphragm down, um, arm cuffs, hip cuffs. Um, yeah. that means All quite a bit to me. Yeah. Yeah, right. In, in, instead of um, keep your shoulders back. Or um, in the or in a certain posture, round back or hollow back riders, um, mm-hmm. and uh, a half halt is is slingshot and hip cuffs and mm-hmm. not being involved. Um, and it uh, it's it's just those words mean something to me yeah. instead of it just being an ethereal term. Well, and the thing is also, Chris, you were asking why not the traditional language because traditional language is also sort of geared just toward the, a mass audience, assuming that that audience, that, that everyone in that audience is starting from the same place. And Linda just said, you know, some hollow back riders or some are round back riders. Some people do need to have their shoulders more back, but that might be one out of 20 people that you're talking to. So, you know, l- lessons that that really are tailor-made towards each individual rider is, is what it's got to be about. And things that that Linda's just now discussing that we work on on her lessons, you know, they might not be something that would come up in the lesson following the same day with another rider. It just uh, it just has to be, like, tailor-made to that rider's body and where their starting place is. And, like, we all want to get to the same ending point where we are toned and elastic and still and balanced and, you know, not interfering with our horses yet effective and making the things happen that we also have as goals for them. But everybody starts from a different place. Everyone's body is different. Everyone's mind is different. Everyone has to, you know, has to overcome different hurdles. So um, Linda's talking exactly about the things that are really important for her to get to a place of having her horse get more connected and through and balanced and engaged and collected. And it really works for her. And there have just been some phrases that have... Uh, just since I saw her last weekend in the clinic, it was really fantastic because I use an analogy of her being like a carousel pole and her horse being a carousel horse. And I've been using that for maybe just trying to trying that out a little bit for what, five, five years or something. And it never really was that, it didn't really hit a level where I saw her do something. If I said, be a carousel pole, I didn't really see what I wanted to see. So I didn't use that a whole lot. But this last weekend, she got this light bulb. She goes, oh, that's what a carousel pole feels like. So um, she, that word then in her brain didn't just stay at a word level. It actually sank to a, to a, a brain level or a physical level. And um, there's a phrase like the, when the penny drops. It's like it's all of a sudden it makes sense. When you get a physical response in your body from hearing a certain phrase or word, then that's the phrase or word that you've got to use to keep that thing happening. And that's why language, I think, just has to be so, you know, it has to be completely out of the box. You have to use phrases that may not sound at all like what I could put in print because I wouldn't think it was for every writer. And they might say, what What in the world is that? Uh, and it might not be for every writer who's reading a certain article or a book. So that's a, it, makes a, it makes writing or even discussing publicly like this, um, you know, what the best kind of tactics for each rider to go out and practice with their horses, it makes it a little challenging because I really think it's different for everybody. I think our goal and our ending, our, our end goal 
really is the same. We all want straightness, suppleness, rhythm, uh, relaxation, collection. We all want that and happy horses. So, and we all want riders to be, like I said, you know, balanced and toned and still and out of the horse's way and effective. We all want that. But getting us all and all of our horses to that same end uh, goal is it's just very different, very different path, very different map for every horse and every rider. So, um, yeah, Linda's lesson last week was a thing that just kind of made me um, decide to talk about this on the show this week because it was a, it's a really important thing to think about. Well, the one thing I would like to point out for those who don't know your style, Heather, is that you are a very good communicator, basically. And by using these analogies, these are really your tools, your effective communication tools, aren't they? And while they may not be conventional dressage language, they are a language that that individual rider can relate to. And, And Linda, I'd like to bring you back in now because obviously over a period of time you've got used to the language, but there's still those moments of, you know, when the penny drops... What what did you find was interesting when you first started working with Heather that made it different and made it work for you? Um, well, back then when I started, it was probably the black and whiteness of it, um, that instead of it being some in a, or obscure just art or um, concept that, yes, half-halt and and um, use your back and, and throughness. Um, it, it, it was broken down into pieces that allowed me to be successful. So um, they were simple exercises, um, but there was a clear path, like we start here and we go to there, and this is what you do first. And um, certainly you don't learn the complexity and the breadth of everything, but they were building blocks. And the training pyramid, for example, the, the, the forward, the rhythm, the supplement, suppleness, the straightness, you know, all of that I think in, in theory sounds fantastic. But when you're struggling to understand it, there, there, there really aren't tools. Heather gave me tools. And she still does, and the tools are becoming more meaningful to me. And it's not just as a writer um, in, in, in an equitation sense, but it's, it's being effective to my horse. Well, I, I wanted yeah. to come in with that, Heather, because obviously when you're giving clinics, it, it is a horse and rider situation, obviously. But there is a language that you communicate to the rider that enables them to apply those tools. And, you know, a lot of people will be looking when they're teaching at just the way the horse is going, um, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's in the right outline. And, and here we go to all that, that sort of, you know, focusing on the horse and what the horse looks like. Mm-hmm. But, but you just take a very different approach with your language and in, in, in the communication skills that you, you have. Have, have. Have you always been aware that you were on a different track with this and that, it, that not everybody might get it? Well, yes, I think I, you know, I did start out, like I said, as a teenager in dressage lessons, taking clinics from various clinicians around, uh, from around the world. And, um, I was thrown into the, to the half halt, get your horse more through, get it on the bit, um, use your seat. I, I was thrown into that same thing. And like I said, I, 
if it doesn't, if the penny doesn't drop for me, <laughs> then I'm definitely going to look for, for something else. So I didn't really stick with anything um, at all. Uh, so I just pretty much rode on my own. I, I grew up on horses, you know, as, as a five-year-old in the in the country, and that's, you know, it was my obsession. And I rode every single day of my life, pretty much sun up to sundown, especially when school was out. And um, I'm independent, and I said, well, if that doesn't make sense to me, I'm just going to ride my horse the way that I um, can come up with myself. And until I met Mary Wanless, really, the first... Um, the first time I was introduced to the way she approaches body awareness and really learning riding skills, you know, not just getting something out of a horse for that day, but really learning the skills and the tools. Like Linda was saying, she's got tools now that she can apply when she has a job to do on a horse that she's riding. She has tools to apply. And I guess it's when I met her, Mary, in uh, I think it was the early 90s, that it completely made sense to me. So... um you know, since then, I've just been on a straightforward path in body awareness riding and learning how to become an effective rider. That is the goal, you know, because horses come and go in our lives. We have many of them, but we have to bring, you know, as much as we can, just excellent riding to each horse we ride. And you're going you're gonna to have horses come and go, and you don't want all of your work to just go away with the horse when it goes away. You want to be able to take what you learned to the next horse. So... Um, that's the point where I feel like, yeah, I, I've probably been on a different path than um, the traditional one, and I, I do feel a little bit like an outsider because of that, but um, I think what I've learned from Mary and others that have um, been introduced to her work, uh, which is growing, and it's really growing quite a bit, and it's, and it's, and it's just highly successful. Um, it just sounds a little weird at first, and I think dressage is a bit of a traditional world, um, but when you realize the, the effectiveness of body awareness, um, it's really hard to argue with, and it gets riders just in so much better place to affect their horses without causing um, conflicting information. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on about this, but I don't think the show is supposed to be 10 hours, so I don't know where I should stop. <laughs> but, I mean, it could, I could go on and on. I do like to talk about it. I'm passionate about it. I think body awareness is is the the reason that we, if we are all out here riding horses. It's really not about the horse. It's about us learning how to be riders. And, um, yeah, so you might want to jump in and stop me so the show doesn't go on too long. <laughs> but, no, we could, we could continue this conversation for sure. Linda, any more thoughts from you on uh, on the subject of this language? Well, um, I think you made a comment that sometimes writers don't get it. I think anybody who, and I've watched Heather give many, many clinics and watch her work with people and, um, and certainly Mary Wanless as well, and I think if anybody is receptive to um, this way of approaching their writing and to try to understand the concepts. I, I've seen pretty consistent success, whereas you certainly see your share of lessons that people take from other instructors and people are finished with the lesson and they're still frustrated. But um, I think it's, it's very easy to um, participate in this at many different levels as long as somebody is willing to think a little bit outside of the traditional box and entertain some of these concepts that they probably haven't heard before. I think it's associated with a great deal of success. Well, I know, yeah. Heather, just to, 
just to round this off, I know that, as you said, although you're a very good communicator, you're hesita- you hesitate to put this into words into, into a book or on a video because it can be misunderstood if it's not correctly applied. If it's not correctly applied and if the, if the listener or the watcher or the reader um, doesn't apply to the lesson that is given, you know, it's just... Um, not everything that I would give to Linda in her lesson is something that I might give to you in your lesson. It just depends on what the strengths and weaknesses are in your body. Um, and also, of course, you know, when it comes to the exercise that we put the horses through, we, you know, everyone has a pretty good concept of that, that every horse is different and some need to go more forward, some need to slow more down, some need more suppleness. But when it comes to riders' bodies, you know, Linda's lesson might be totally different than yours. So if somebody was watching me teach Linda and then they thought, hmm, I'm going to go home and do that, it might not be for them. So that's where it is a pretty big challenge to write something for the masses when the masses all is comprising uh, individuals are so different. Everybody's so different. Um, it's just a very kind of uh, tailor-made way of approaching each each individual in their lesson so that they understand what the words were, what, they, what were used in the lesson, and what their body has to do when they think those words. And it is, um, I, I don't know, maybe there's a way to do it <laughs> um, to get really specific about what I can say. Everyone should go out and do this. You know, it's just, it's hard. Well, it is a topic that we could... Uh... Obviously, we could serialize this, Heather, and with, with there are so many areas of, that it's fascinating and, and uh, obviously would love to have you back. Um, maybe, well, obviously as co-host, but maybe we could do more training segments like this with students sure. on particular topics. But before I let you go, um, of course... Uh, your friends around the world here, and we have we have some great uh, fan mail for you, Heather. Lots of really nice comments coming in and around from around the world for people who are, enjoy you being on the show. And of course, they follow Paragon as well. So you're going to have to give us an update on uh, HRH Paragon. How's he doing? Well, I have to say, my little scruffy pony is really feeling like a Grand Prix horse now, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a it's a great thing. He's just done so well on the small tour in his. his his two and only two years of competition. And then after the season in Florida, after March was over, then it's been since then, really, you know, the next thing ahead of us is the, is the Grand Prix. So we've been pushing into different matters of connection and how much he accepts the aids every single stride and not every third stride now. Um, it doesn't sound like much, but it's a huge difference, and he's just become so much more, and I'm going to use these complex words, through and connected and supple. And he's just, he's put on muscle. He is now, uh, he's eight and a few months, you know, so he's still so young, but he has started to feel more adult in his body. And that's been a great, um, great thing to feel coming because he's done so well and he's moved so well and he's been such a good joy to train a little, you know, ahead of his years, really. And now he feels like everything is just getting solid underneath all of what he knows and what he wants to do. And I think that, I mean, today I've had now five rides in a row where I just feel like the connection in this horse now is, okay, it's never finished, but I really feel like he is confirmed on connected and through. And that's such an amazing feeling, really supple, really powerful from behind. And just, he's like a, He's just like a machine, and I mean that in a good way. Just whatever I want, there it is. And it's 
it's a new level of him being powerful and strong and really technically right there for me. So he's he's doing really, really, really well. Well, of course, the interesting sort of cycle of this, Heather, is that he's getting stronger, more muscular, fitter, maturer, established. But you're yet still having to work on your core muscles to keep him in the place and put him, you know, enable him to be in the right place all the time. Oh, absolutely. And it's been about that since the beginning. Such a big horse and long legs and a lot of momentum, huge gates. And if I didn't have body awareness when I started him out in the beginning, I don't know, you know where he would be now, but it wouldn't be where he is. And, um, and I, I have to say it was probably more challenging to keep myself organized on his big movement the greener he was. And now we've gotten to a point of sophistication together that it's still definitely required. Um, but in a sense, it's easier now because um, of, of how much he has formed into a solid, structured, balanced um, athlete. So it still really it comes down to very fine details in the awareness of my body and how it affects him and what I want him to get better doing. But it is, it's more technical now and a little less, you know, like a big, huge, moving, young, greener horse and now feeling more like um, a very high technical, high, highly sophisticated machine that is just, it's, it's hard to describe. I can't, I can't imagine um, how it's going to get better, but I know it is because he's still so young. I, I have a, an analogy for you, Heather. How about synchronized swimming? You know, there's always this smiling faces above the water, but underneath when they're learning this to do the synchronized swimming, they are paddling like crazy, but they keep smiling. Yeah, are those smiles or grimaces? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. I mean, it, 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 doesn't feel, it doesn't feel bad. It just takes a lot of tone. It does. And same with the ballerina, you know, floating across the stage so lovely and beautiful, and they're working really, really hard. Yeah. Well, you make it look very, very easy. And uh, as I said, come back and talk some more about this language and uh, more training sessions here with uh, maybe some of your students and and we can pick up obviously a different topic each time because i'm sure you've got quite an arsenal heather yeah i can talk a little bit yeah (laughs) well linda i want to thank you too for joining us this week thank you so much you're welcome and uh, heather are you going to come back and see us soon Uh, i I should point out that you you're traveling like crazy with your clinics and and uh, listeners if they if you want to attend as an auditor you can find heather's uh, clinic list on her website at heatherblitz.info on the clinics page um it's a busy summer for you for clinics isn't it heather you're doing a lot of traveling it is i try to get my clinics really going in the summer because during the winter season here in florida i like to be in town with all the shows and busy stuff here so i really get busy in the summer going on the road so yeah i'll be on the road but i will be back here on the show hopefully um soon all right well um we look forward to that heather thank you very much for joining us as always you're welcome and one of our new visiting sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show is Charles Owen, of course, the helmet makers. There's something about Charles Owen that makes its products stand out in a crowd, and it's innovative culture and product development that gives it the edge. And they always have lots of new products. One of those is the Fiona hat that uses the latest fine-grade polystyrene manufacturing techniques, the European safety standard-approved hat, 
boast the slimmest proportions in their safety helmet range. It's trimmed to perfection in the finest Italian velvet together with its slender dimensions. Fiona's hat takes elegance to new heights, whatever your chosen discipline. The top button incorporates three ventilation apertures to ensure a high level of comfort during extended periods of use, while the pitard's leather harness is anchored at four points for a superior fit adjacent to the cheeks. You can find out more about the Fiona hat and all of Charles Owen's products. I mean, they have so many products and uh, their helmet, I should say, their helmet wear and hat for every occasion, not least of all for dressage riders. So don't forget to check them out at charlesowen.co.uk. We will, of course, put links to all our sponsors on our show notes at dressageradio.com. Well, it's time now for our new segment here on the show, Words of Wisdom. In the 16th century in Italy, Pignatelli was training his students. One of them, Antoine de Pluvinel, went on to serve four French kings. However, Pluvinel was not motivated by social climbing. He tried to persuade the kings to support riding academies so that riding masters will not be forced to pay compliments and offer other attractions to the young who are under his tutelage or sometimes tolerate vices simply to keep them or attract others. Learning influenced by social pressure will never work. He was always talking about the individual's development as a whole. For this, riding was perfect, training the body and the mind, developing physical prowess, but also judgment, honor, courage, even virtue. Virtue, not only physical prowess, will make a master of equitation. Today, we almost seem afraid of these words. Say them at a horse show and riders will physically wince. Winning and figuring out how to win are what counts. Let someone else deal with those cantankerous concepts of spiritual discipline and virtue. However, these ideals cannot be swept under the carpet. They have been a major component and raison d'etre of the classical consensus of dressage from the beginning. Why? Is classical riding so mystical? Is it some mysterious pseudo-religious cult? I think it is almost ridiculously the opposite. It is a very practical pursuit. Modern psychologists say that mastery requires a lot of practice, but it must be the right kind of practice. It must be deliberate, focused and refined. For optimum learning, there must be opportunities for creative problem-solving. The effort must shift away from well-entrenched methods motivated by external, social or monetary rewards. This extract is taken from Dressage for the 21st Century by Paul Balasic and published by Trafalgar Square Publishing in 2002. Well, as we come to the end of this week's show, I want to remind you that I am looking for young reporters. If you are under 20 years of age and would like to report on your dressage competition in your neighborhood, then please send me an email, chris at horseradionetwork.com. I want to hear from you. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. And our website has all the links that you'll need from the show notes at uh, dressageradio.com. And you can follow us, of course, on Facebook, as always, and on Twitter, Chris E. Stafford or Horse Radio. Don't forget my email address, chris at horseradionetwork.com. And I will be back the same time, same place next week. So until then, thank you all for listening.